Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Screen Talk. I'm Eric Cohn. I'm Ann Thompson. We were going to talk about all these fall festival announcements. But before we get into that, maybe we should look at the past weekend, because in anticipation of Barbenheimer, you know, we felt I felt like we were constantly coming back to this question of one movie versus the other. We always knew that Barbie was going to beat Oppie. Barbie. We knew that. But ultimately, what what worked was not one or, or the other. It was the two of them together. Oppenheimer, which helped well too. Oppie. It boosted. There were numbers that, you know, it boosted Oppie. I love it. No, I think it's a great thing. It, it sort of happened organically. It's sort of one of those things that social media pushed into the ether and it just took off and it became real. My daughter went, uh, you know, the, her friends went. It was it was and they, she saw both movies, over, over, you know, it's back to back. It's a it's a it's a really uh, wonderful thing to see. And it shows that original content, quote unquote, of course, Barbie's based on a doll and Oppenheimer is based on a well-known historic figure. But these are not, quote unquote, IP uh, projects They're well, That wasn't their original. I mean, one is adapted from a book. Oppie yes. is adapted from the Prometheus book. And Barbie is very original. Barbie. But we should unpack that because, I mean, it is. That is one big takeaway is that people want originality. They don't want franchises. I think what's fascinating is that Barbie is essentially a franchise play for Mattel, but it was done through the prism of getting a director who had her own take and to some degree letting her run wild with it. They did, and they made the right choice. They considered not doing that, and they made the right choice. Right. Of course, now they're considering all the next steps, the the Barbie. Which are horrifying because she doesn't she doesn't want anything to do with it, at least not yet. Yeah, well, we'll see when the when the, you know, offer is made. It's wonderful because Greta enters the Hollywood firmament now. It's not like she wasn't already there, but now she has a whole new level of clout. Yeah, which, which is exciting me- because it means that she can be somebody yeah. that pushes these like 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 Chris Nolan only get only Chris Nolan gets Oppenheimer made. Right. Mm-hmm. Or Spielberg or somebody of that level. Now, Greta gets to be one of those people. Yeah. And she's supposed to do Chronicles of Narnia next. I mean, I, I, I don't Well, that's the very movie. commercial play. But I know. if anyone can pull it off, it's her. I hated I the so. other ones. I, mean, I hated was never the other a big ones. fan. And I was never like the biggest fan of those books. As I a, loved the them. I grew up on them and read them over and over. The Voyage of the Dawn Treader is the one I read the most. But it's it's I, I don't know. I mean, I, I worry about these kinds of situations where it's like now this person can do whatever they want. I mean, even Nolan has stumbled in that situation in the past. It's not like every time. He makes a movie. Well, what Nolan is dealing with is that he's trying to remain at a certain commercial level always to maintain that. She, Greta Gerwig, has been more on the indie side of the world and hasn't had to sustain 
that level of commerciality. She's never been at that level of commerciality. Right. Now she is. Right. It was a, a very she was more in the Oscar universe. Right. Yeah, yeah that's true. She's prestige. She went from indie to prestige in a way. So uh, now she it's a, it's going to be interesting. I mean, obviously, the um, chronic the Chronicles of Narnia is a very commercial play, but um, now she has the clout to get more challenging things up and running if she has them in her in her little arsenal of things she wants to do. So both movies did well and both were well reviewed. And it'll be really interesting to see how much longer. I mean, last week we talked a bit about, you know, both movies have Oscar potential. Like Barbie will be in the zeitgeist for a while. Oppenheimer it's an interesting question. Like, how long do you keep people invested in this movie? I mean, I've I've heard a lot of interesting reactions to it, but, uh, you know, Nolan's going to have to be out there fronting for this film because the strike's going on. Whereas like Barbie, I feel like it almost transcends not having your actors out there. Well, they had a lot of actors out there, Damon and, and Murphy and yeah. and and blunt were all out there and all that video stuff is still playing out they got a both thanks to the extension <laughs> the strike extension they both got a lot of stuff done before the movies opened and so they I, i'm sure they all regret that they're not doing more now but they're not it doesn't matter they did enough ahead of time and there was yeah. enough marketing on both well, of them I, is- I mean barbie is a going to be a billion dollar movie it, it was it broke records for a woman director and it broke uh it's probably the biggest grossing movie of the year it's i don't see anything that's going to beat it so it's pretty exciting yeah and, and that itself about in terms of the actress promoting it right before it came out is, is a good point because now we're looking this past week we got all these festival announcements and we got Got one film that's no longer at a festival, which is Challengers, the Luca Guadagnino movie. We're going to have to wait till April. Amazon pushed it till April because Zendaya is too important not to have on that red carpet. And you could see why with these box office results. And she's been pushed out of out of I mean, Dune 2 is a question mark when that's going to turn out to be uh, a release that could be next year. Also, you see, something like Dune 2 doesn't care about uh, Oscars and awards and all that. Um, I would say Challengers maybe wasn't necessarily an Oscars. That looks like a I don't know. That looks like a commercial movie to me. It looks like something more mainstream. It looks fun. I can't wait to see it. I have heard that, too. I think it would have played really well, but it was definitely more of a commercial play with maybe a Golden Globes kind of a thing to it. So, so that it make everybody's make everyone has sat down and made those calculations. What I find fascinating is how many of the movies that were destined to go to the festivals actually showed up at the fe- are going to show up at the festivals. Yeah. Well, so and we even without them. talent, you know, poor yeah. things, they pushed it back to December, but it's still going to show it's, and, and uh, in Venice. Yeah. Uh, which is not going to have Bradley Cooper, even though I suppose he could have tried to go as a director. We talked about that before. He's not going to go, but it is in Venice. And we'll probably make some other rounds, you know, depending on how things shake down. But uh, it, I mean, that one and The Killer, the two big Netflix movies that will be at the festival. So obviously they're seeing value in launching those movies as award season hopefuls in that context, even without the the, the cast. So and then there's also Telluride where they don't announce, but you can use the math where you figure out yeah. what's at Venice and what's at Toronto and how it's going to them. debut the holdovers, yeah. which is totally predictable. Alexander Payne with Paul Giamatti yeah, he's or. There. 
or Rustin, which is one of the uh, one of the big uh, Netflix titles where they're pushing uh, Coleman Domingo. Uh, it's a real person that he's playing. And then there's also I'm interested. It's also cool. I'm switching around. It's cool that at Venice, Ava DuVernay becomes the first black director in competition at Venice. What took them so long? I know. Why it's, is it's, that true? Stats, it's, it's a little embarrassing. It's horrifying. It's upsetting. Really? But but uh, yeah, I'm curious about that film. Origin. Already. Origin is the name of the movie. Yeah, they were yeah. showing footage of that to buyers back in uh, in Cannes at the market. So it's been around for a bit. Uh, she was also, I believe, the first African-American woman on the jury at Cannes. So, you know, she's a, essentially an A-list. I have a DuVernay is so. used to this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just sort of like this is what's happening now. It's like it's the whole global industry that has you know, been underrepresented. Slowly under catch up. Very, very slowly. So some of the movies that are not showing are Napoleon, right? The Ridley Scott yep. with with Joaquin Phoenix, which I cannot I cannot wait. I looked at the trailer for this. It's insane. But I'm curious to see what they're going to do with that. That's the kind of movie they could hold back because they want to give everybody more time. Like you can imagine Villeneuve wants to be in the editing room for yeah, a little longer. Dune also for Dune. Yeah. Also, these are big commercial big movies. Yeah. Like they, they can do something kind of as a standalone event to launch it. It doesn't have to be a festival movie in that respect. Uh, but look, we do get a new Woody Allen movie. We do get a new Roman Polanski movie. We get a new Luke Besson movie. So oh, are you lumping there. all these Me Too directors together, Eric? I mean, are I you really? They're, they're all very different. Really a trend. But that's what the headlines are telling us. I mean, I, I think it is fascinating that Venice can pull this off because obviously because they're European, because they have a different can. sensibility than we yeah. do. Luke yeah. Besson was completely exonerated in court. Completely. So it, took, it took I mean, years. It took years, but it he was exonerated in the French courts. For some reason, it took a really long time. Woody Allen was never uh, sent into. Uh, he was never indicted. He was never accused in court. Never. It never happened. And and uh, the other uh, the one with Polanski, we all know he was guilty. He pleaded guilty. He, he, he he's in exile and. Uh, and do we punish him forever and never look at his movies again? It's a, it's an interesting question. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's fascinating because it's like if you look at. And he was movie, forgiven by the woman uh, herself. Samantha Geimer. I mean, the uh, if you look at the that question in a North American context, the answer is yes, they're all essentially still, you know, not considered, um, you know, these are not films that are getting released. They've been canceled in the but, U.S., but, but it, but the the truth is we've still had Woody Allen movie like there has that Roman Polanski won a Cesar for his last film and it and it won at Venice and uh, Woody Allen has been making movies that have played at festivals. This so is the first time he's made a French movie. We predicted a long time ago that what he would have to do is raise funds overseas yeah. uh, in order to make his movies and of course that's what he's done. Um, I'm I am I want to see Coupe de Change. I actually do. I, do. I mean, I I will watch movies from anyone. I don't, I don't have like a moral stance on, on these particular situations, but I am curious to see how the narrative plays out. I mean, if they won't Kudashans, get released in the US. That's, that's the thing. all. Like if gets Woody Allen's best reviews since Midnight in Paris, does that give buyers confidence that they can get away with this? I mean, I've pointed out to people before, you know, Chinatown will play in 
you know, rep houses in the U.S. all the time. And it does. I went to see it on a great double bill with Sorcerer and I was as happy as I've been in a long time. But but it is an interesting question of like the fact that Polanski is still a respected filmmaker from a historical standpoint doesn't mean that risk adverse distributors are willing to take on his latest. And they Uh, they probably shouldn't. It it doesn't make sense inside the 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 universe of of the United States. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. But what do you make now of of coup de chance? I mean, if it's if it is really good, why not submit it as the French Oscar? uh, Oh, my God. They would be foolish. They would be so (laughs) foolish. Yeah. So that'll be a real TBD. Although uh, I'll tell you something. There is a, a really big, sizable number of older white men who totally support Woody Allen and Roman Polanski. Yeah, I don't know like exactly what. And you maybe they support Luc Besson. That I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. either. Well, and again, we got to see the movies to see if they're any good and make it worth this discourse at all. But it is really interesting. It's like Venice is suddenly become the play. Not even can will show a Woody Allen movie now. So. You know, Venice will be asking these. And they did show them for for many years. So meanwhile, we also Also know where to be found is that Ethan Cohen's movie Drive Away Dolls. Looks like that's getting pushed back. And that's, again, a movie I was hearing. We'll see. Yes, I I think also. So it's a comedy. um, It's a comedy. So it's not a, you know, a slam dunk Oscar movie, probably. I spoke with uh, Cameron Bailey out of Toronto this week, and, and he did say that while none of the films that have been announced at TIFF were uh, were pulled, that there, there were films they were in discussion for or had planned to show that are not showing. And, and perhaps that was one. There could be others. Uh, but we do know now that they have a, well, they announced a bunch of stuff. We got films this week that we thought we were going to get last week, and then they punted it to buy themselves some time. But the opening. Well, night you film, predicted the opening night movie. You were right about that. Th- to be clear, it's called reporting. It was not a blind <laughs> prediction. I had some sources, <laughs> but they were accurate that the, the Hayao Miyazaki film called The Boy and the Heron for the North American release. It's called How Do You Live in Japan uh, will open. And I think that's actually really. I'm incredible. very happy about that. I think it's excited lovely about it. It opened yeah. in Japan. It was the, the top. Uh, opening yeah. for, for Studio Ghibli. So this is his big comeback after he said he was retiring and he wasn't going to make any more movies. And of course, that wasn't true. Yeah. Though so now it sounds like it might be at least that's the way this one's being positioned. I mean, he's 82 and he doesn't he takes his time making movies. But the response in Japan has been really strong. So it'll be interesting to see how the awards conversation if once we see it. Because, of course, Cameron is, is throwing down that, you know, as Guillermo del Toro said, animation is, is not a genre. Animation is film. Does this become a best picture contender the way that, you know, we were originally talking about uh, Pinocchio last year? It's going to stay the same where all the animated films end up in the animated category. It's just the way it is. It's just the way the Academy at large, many of them actors think, alas, it's not the way it should be, but that's mm-hmm. how it is. Documentaries are never going to be nominated for best picture. Give it up, now. Eric. Give it doc up. Thing to, the, my, my doc argument for best picture took a hit with the whole, um, you know, new theatrical requirement in terms of the number of markets you have to open in for best Yeah, that's picture. a problem. That's, that's a, a big problem. That's a big problem for any uh, small, small indies. But I don't know. We'll see about the Miyazaki thing. The other, the other challenge is that he is, you know, notoriously press shy. He's not even going to go to TIFF for, for the opening night film. So, you're not going to have the elevated profile of an Oscar campaign. Like you kind of just need this movie to work. Uh, 
as I youth. feel very fortunate that I got to interview him twice. Once in a back room, you know, press room thing at Comic-Con, right? I don't even remember which movie it was for with a group. It was a group. And once one-on-one wow. -on, -one on Zoom in Japan from the Disney studio. And, and I just, and I went, I also went to an Academy thing where they did a huge tribute to him. I couldn't be more um, respectful and admiring of any filmmaker than I am of Miyazaki. I was lucky enough to get tickets to the rather small Studio Ghibli Museum in, in Tokyo. And it blew my mind. It's like everything is so delicate and handmade. It's another era. You know, he represents- Well, they did do an, an exhibit here for the Academy Museum, but I, I would love right. to see the one you're oh, talking incredible. about. I mean, you see his studio, you see original hand-drawn things. And, and just they had his animation desk home. here at, yeah, at the so Academy Museum. Yeah. I mean, it's like that that itself, I, sh I assume, would galvanize the animation community in a big way. But also he does cross over beyond. I mean, the, he has respect on from the entire industry. It's not just the animation world in terms of the kind of work that he does and how singular it is. He's an auteur. So the best picture argument perhaps could be a part of that if the movie. Well, he did win the Oscar for Spirited Away, yeah. um, the animated the animation Oscar. So we shall see. Here's what struck me as I was looking through the whole TIFF, especially the TIFF lineup. Yes. It's interesting. Yeah. The Venice lineup is like the big guns, you know, right. Michael Mann and, you know, Ferrari. And it's just the Which big names closing New York are yeah. there. The TIFF lineup, at least for me, I, I'm curious to see if that's true for you. There were lots of movies there that I knew nothing about. Well, really, it's. it's there's a lot of movies for sale that are sort of high profile, but not awards titles. So, you know, usually in TIFF, you'll have maybe one or two, like a Still Alice or something, or an I, Tanya that's like a, a sales title that gets bought and rushed into award season. This year, it's like, you know, you're, you're going through and it's like, wow, there's actually a lot of actors who directed. Yeah, movies. there's big name. Like I, I, for one, had not heard of Lee, the Ellen Curtis film with with. Uh, oh, she's actually been Kate working on Winslet. that for a long time. So I, 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 I am that. very excited uh, about uh, that. I'm, yeah. I had heard of Viggo Mortensen's Western, which is called The Dead Don't Hurt. With Vicky with Creeps, Vicky yeah. Creeps uh, who good. I love, as you know. Um, yeah. You know, the the worst title of all is the We End Start From. They should change that right now. Not a good title. What about Knox Goes Away from Michael <laughs> Keaton? Auteur. <laughs> He's mean, a smart guy. I, I will I will take a chance on anything he does. I mean, Tony Goldwyn. Another actor directing has done that before. So but he's got Robert De Niro and Rose Byrne. So that's pretty good. Yeah, no, there, there's a lot of stuff like that. I mean, uh, uh, you know, the the dumb money movie with Paul Dano that's about the uh, GameStop, uh, you know, stock thing sounds fun. Um, I, I, there's there's stuff that will probably be crowd pleasers in a way because TIFF, you know, sells tickets to the public. And even if it's not an awards title, it could still benefit from strong word of mouth. Sure. That's why they're booking them. The sales titles. This is what I predicted. They're 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 playing the sales titles to see how they play for the audience. And that's how they're going to sell them. Yeah, they, they don't need the kind of noise around, um, you know, red carpets if the movies work in this kind. And sometimes in some ways they might actually benefit from just getting reviewed and, uh, you know, having the director there and, and so forth. But we have to see it. You know, how do these movies play? I mean, there's, there's also a question of like, 
would they have been more hurt if they waited, say, for Sundance or? Well, here, here's part of what's going to happen. It's interesting. Uh, next, Gull wins the Searchlight movie with um, directed by Taika Waititi. That is going still. They announced it early to, to TIFF. They didn't pull it or anything. Right. But they're trying to get a waiver for him to to promote the movie as a director, even though he can't because he's in it for five minutes. Right. See, but but what we've heard is that there there may be the possibility that if an actor has a very small role in the movie they directed and they don't talk about that side of things since SAG might enable them. This is what we've had to find out. But you know, that's what with that one is that it's an AMPTP. <laughs> It's a big signatory. Absolutely right. right. So, and so it's really Sag, a pity that these specialty divisions, which are already on the ropes, right. which are already under duress, which are already trying to make it, um, it, you know, as the trying to lure the adults back to, to the theaters and it's all dicey. This is a blow to them. This is a real punishing blow that to not have Emma Stone be able to to promote poor things. That's why they pushed it back to December. So you're going to end up with this log jam now of movies. A lot of movies are going to push back to December. Yeah, it's, it's it could end up being a very competitive holiday season. Like what's going to happen to Killers of the Flower Moon? They they look prescient now for, for getting some press out of the way at, at Cannes. I mean, they certainly they had the whole cast there on the red carpet and did all that stuff then. So so there's some value there. And the movie is a Scorsese movie and Scorsese is a DGA member. And he's so. in the movie also. So he's okay. also a well, SAG member. Yeah, that's true. But again, I mean, I don't want to spoil too much. He's not in the movie that much. It He's isn't. Not, I, I understand no. that they could consider taking him out, but it's the end <laughs> no, of the movie. Not. It no, wouldn't no, no, no. work. It's, it's it's something that should be. It's in there. really brilliant and wonderful. It's, but he just it's, doesn't have to answer questions about I just oh, you're going to boot Scorsese from SAG because he's talking about directing Killers of the Flower Moon. I mean, I think it's a the, the union is relatively sane about some of these questions. The three words are, that I never expected to, to be out there as much in the past few months as, as they have been are Duncan Crabtree, Ireland. seems <laughs> to have all the answers about like the it's very of the industry. as far as the strike stuff goes it's very interesting we are really jumping around today it's very interesting the way uh they have pivoted and changed their approach yeah and it's coming from sag after it's coming from them and the writers they're saying they're saying hey we're not enemies let's talk civilized let's let's pull the rhetoric down and that's the right thing to do a lot of people think they should actually shut down the rhetoric altogether and put a put a big cone of silence on everything because the rhetoric isn't getting anyone anywhere at yeah, all it is, it is overheated now but obviously there's also this desire to make it clear what they're asking for so it's like you know, they're not just doing this just to do it, that they feel like there's something real on the line. But I think it's it's interesting that so Duncan Crabtree, Ireland, chief negotiator is now saying that like SAG is looking at some sort of interim agreement to be able to promote movies on the festival circuit if you're not part of AMPTP. And if that works well, it I I think that it hasn't end. happened yet. It, but if that does happen, I'm I'm just saying that could actually be really valuable for SAG because it, it it puts the studios on notice more like, hey, everyone else is moving along. There's work getting done. So you better come to the table because there's stuff happening without you now. And 
Wall Street. Well, that's why they're doing the waivers with the independents on the production side. But have you heard of actual waivers on the promotion side actually going through? Not yet, but just as we're recording, I mean, earlier today, this is a Thursday that there were there were stories that that saying that they're looking at that and what that will look like. Obviously, they need to get it figured out really soon, but everything's happening super fast and the festivals are still a couple of weeks out. So we could see, you know, say next week or the following one. Something. We can see if Annette Benning gets her tribute for for Nyad at at uh, Telluride, really you that know, sounds like a challenge. And then and, and then it. you have and but but, you know, if Jimmy Chin and Chai Vassar Haley are perfectly capable of promoting Nyad yeah. and, and that's I'm hearing good things about about that one. I'm, yeah, I'm excited looking forward to it. I mean, the litmus is so is is what's happening right now. So Locarno is next week and Riz Ahmed was supposed to get a tribute there and he's he's not going to be there now. So we're already seeing immediate effects for these things. The question is, how quickly can people move to strategize about the next steps? Like TIFF has time, but they can't rest easy. You know, SAG has to get back to them soon about what they're actually going to allow people to do. So that's sort of TBD. Anyway, next week, we uh, I'll be on vacation, but we already have an episode in the bag, which is convenient. And um, we had a really great talk with Charles King. This was one of our my favorite talks. It's it's um, he's a he's somebody who started out as an agent and then he took he took a great risk. I mean, he was very successful and he took a at at William Morris Endeavor and whatever it's called, WME, whatever it's called now. And he actually went and, and started his own company, Macro, and he is. Uh, someone who can address all sorts of issues. And he did in a very oh, yeah. helpful way. Stay tuned because we do have some some thoughts on the strike with uh, with Charles. He was King he was week. good. Yeah. So, all right. And well, I'll see you when I'm back. But um, to be continued. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.